Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting, it can be scary. And the kids are definitely creepy. Wakey, wakey. (laughs) Wakey, wakey, Dash. If that didn't wakey, wakey you up, I don't know what possibly could. Wow. Oh, come out of your little boxes and come out to play with us. Mm, if you can. Mm, it's been so long. It feels like forever. Feels like forever. It it has been a long time and a lot has happened. But the biggest thing I think that we have to talk about right at the top is... We Confirmation have a, of Supreme Court? Ju- no. We have a six-year-old. We got a six-year-old. We got one. In addition to Woo and Boo. Yeah, that's right. Right. We got Woo a playmate of six years old. Um, that would actually be, he would love that. But um, he turned six. He turned six. And yes. it's it's really wild. It feels like a new age. A new age of a child that is a year more than five and not yet seven. It, it really does. I'm I'm sure I've talked about it on this show before, but I remember meeting a six-year-old and being like, oh, thank God, this is like still a baby. Right? Yeah. Like they're still a child, but boy, they it, do grow up. They do. Oh, man. But we celebrated in style as best we could for our slow to warm son. Yes, we did. We originally had planned to bring... Woo to Legoland when he turned four, when he was really into Legos for the first time. But then the pandemic happened. Yeah. And actually, I think it all worked out for the best. I think overall, just in general, COVID really worked out for the best for everyone. Um, yeah. But especially us. You can say that without unequivocally. Yeah. Really. Um, but he being six and Boo being four worked out so well because Legoland is for little kids, but not oh, yeah. kids under three. Not really. No. You can do it, but like anything, it's then it's just for them to look around at stuff. Mm-hmm. It really was a great time to go. If you're thinking about going to Legoland, uh, I would say the four to seven, eight. I'll even say up to 10, depending on yeah. how Lego obsessed your child is. The yeah. rides top out for sure yeah. at that age. Not a lot of crazy coasters. Yeah. But it was very, very good for that age group. And we had Cousin Who in town to join us for Legoland, which was welcome, a, welcome. A, a boon to have Who here. Twas. Um, and it was really doable with three kids. Like we walked a lot, but they were able to do it. And as you, I know you love this, the, the, the park closes at 6 p.m. Yes. So you are done. You I was at first are... upset about that, if I'm being honest. I was like, wait, well, this is BS because I want to, we want to stay here longer. Also because who and company ran into some travel woes, as they do, but there was, Ugh. they unfortunately didn't, instead of getting to Legoland the day before, got there like in the middle of the day. So yeah. I felt badly because I was like, oh, we want them to enjoy as much of this and have as much cousin time as possible. If only this stayed open later. But the reality is... Even then, everybody was pretty done mm-hmm. by dinner time. And then you have dinner at the friggin' Legoland Hotel in one of their themed, beautifully themed hotels that have re- various restaurants. Entree of your choice. And a bar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you go to bed. That's right. You go to bed in your themed room that is covered with legos in a delightful way i have to say um i was worried about legoland Mm -hmm. a a mom at school told me it was run down 
right before we went when I said we, when I mentioned we were going I was like cool thanks so much thanks so much for saying that awesome if you're listening shame on you <laughs> and so I was nervous and I was especially about the hotel because I, I get I get skeeved out mm-hmm. like think a lot of people do um so I was like cool cool but then we got there and it was not run down of course no, delightful yes yeah, some of the Legos had some dust on them out in the in the park sure um they were built 22 years ago but right or uh, sun bleach we are in southern california i think it's hard to maintain what are just regular plastic bricks they but probably keeping that in mind it looked pretty great wouldn't you say oh yeah i even feel like it's i wouldn't have even said anything if that parent hadn't said anything no I, it's just it feels like i to me n- no more quote-unquote run down than disneyland is because yeah. disneyland is i think if not for the ubiquitousness of the ip that is disney they're very similar parks there's a lot of attention to detail there really is i and it was very well well planned out very uh Mm -hmm. intentional and and like adorable like really it really hit hit those marks for me because you know when we went to like universal for harry potter world it's cool and all but universal come on let's face it not the same as Disneyland. No. Not the same. Yeah, not as much attention to line design. Mm-hmm. Now, look, to be clear, if COVID was present in the park that day, we have it because we were up in them Legos. There is no, there is a ton of hands on interactivity with Lego bricks that are mm-hmm. there for everyone. They say they are sanitized, but what on earth could that possibly mean when kids there are There wasn't just... a lot of hand sanitizer around. Tons there. of hand sanitizer. That is absolutely true. And almost everything is outside very well ventilated not a lot of like tunnel rides and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing um but what's cool is in the lines like in the ninjago line if it was even long which it wasn't when we were there um there were mazes probably every six or ten feet that so like if you were standing in line with kids and you're stuck there you have a different maze to try Mm -hmm. with your friends while you're waiting to kill some time another ride had almost like a spiral shaped Line, which I always love, keep it tight, keep it in front of the ride you're on, stay in that land. Mm -hmm. In the middle of that spiral that you could access from all sides of the line was a Lego play area with a big shark Lego statue. It was a water ride. And it was just so cool to just like all the kids could go in there and build Legos Mm -hmm. while you're waiting in line. And you had eyes on them the whole time. You can, you know, it was was still very, uh, and then there's, you know, facts and statues and stuff when you got inside like the more tunnely part of that one it was mm-hmm. it, it was just cool little and unique gift shops for each land and the focus i for me i gotta say this is not brought to you by legoland but what a rad place for lego lovers i did feel like they do a good job of catering to all the age groups mm-hmm. with the exception of the rides i think the rides are definitely geared the most young but then there are other things where like if you have a like a young teen who's obsessed with just Lego building. There are a bunch of spots yeah. to build, to trade Lego minifigures. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch. We found out about that at the end. You can, there's a lot of just, there's VIP tours. I mm-hmm. think if you're one of the more like behind the scenes. Stuff. And anyway, just like, know. and just like Disney, everyone there, everyone working there was so into it and so Stoked. kind. And so like wanting to talk about Legos, like wanting to, you know, it that was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, and definitely something and they really pushed the two day pass. But like you you could take your time and have plenty to do in two days, but you could also do it in one day like we did. Great. Easily. I don't yeah. feel like we left anything on the on the floor there, you know? Yeah, no no bricks on the floor. Step on those, they'll hurt you the bite. They'll bite back. <laughs> it was rad. So, you know, we, we did it up for six and uh Yeah. Now it's now now it's April and here we are. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. It is we're ready for spring. Spring is sprung. We yeah. celebrate in the only way we know how. And we tackled a a, a big one this week. That's right. A two hour and thirty two minute thriller, I would say. It's mm. hard to call this a horror movie. Yes. Um but and I saw that running time. I was None I, too pleased. <laughs> like that is too long <laughs> that's two nights for mommy and daddy yeah almost Possibly three. three almost three um but we powered through and we did it in two nights um eh, yeah 
Should we talk about this movie? I'm 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 ready. Well, I want to I want to hear what uh, pithy summary you've got lined up for us. Oh well, you're in for a treat because as luck would have it on IMDb this week, there is a plot summary by none other than the book's author Stephen King. <laughs> However, we're going to read the one by a fan favorite. Nick Regina, <laughs> giant of the industry. Okay, Regiant of the industry. A Regiant. <laughs> My man. Still tormented by the past's uncomfortable memories, decades after surviving the harsh winter <laughs> at the Overlook Hotel in The Shining, 1980, it's only natural that a now sad Dan Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> has grown up into an alcoholic and a drifter. However, after managing for years to suppress his rare gift, Dan decided... Do you think managing there was a pun on managing the Overlook? <laughs> after managing for years to suppress his rare gift, Dan decides to put The Shining to good use as the local hospice's benevolent Dr. Sleep. And before he knows it, he makes contact with Abra Stone, a young girl with far more superior Shining abilities... But their strong telepathic bond attracts the attention of the semi-eternal <laughs> psychic vampire, Rose the Hat, and her marauding gang of followers known as the True Knot, who prey on the innocent and feed off the effervescent essence of pain. Now, once more, the restless and famished spirits of Colorado's snow-capped purgatory in the mountains invite Dan over for one last winter. Does Danny dare to return to room 237? Mm. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Nick. Well, let's take a trip to the spoiler room, Josh. Ooh! um he does dare he dares he dares indeed he does oh he dares um okay so this movie it's complicated because first of all did you know at any point in the movie that that group was called the true knot after reading it, I kind of remember them saying it, but certainly it wasn't like, oh, no, the true knot's back. <laughs> just like, okay, so the reason it's complicated is because you have The Shining the book, mm -hmm. you have The Shining the movie, mm -hmm. which end very differently. Yeah, and happen pretty differently. And, and yes, the whole, they're very different. Then you have Dr. Sleep the book. Mm. Then you have this movie. And it has to kind of bridge everything. And The Shining, the miniseries. Yeah, but like, yeah. I mean, that's that's more like the book. Right. That all follows the book. So let's just say, as far as like storylines go, sure. we have four different things happening. And I was surprised. I read a whole article about what's different from Dr. Sleep, the book, to Dr. Sleep, the movie. Ooh. Very different. Danny survives, for one thing. So like, that big of a difference. Okay. Um, I, I get why, I get why some fans would not like this movie based on how you can reconcile all those storylines. It, I could see somebody like loving the book, The Shining and this movie, you know, and the, or, or uh, any combination right, right, of the right. two, because the Jack and Danny are very different in each thing. So and of course, with any book, it's just more more in depth, and sure. there's more characters and all that. Um, but it kind of made me want to read the book of Doctor Sleep because I think I I might enjoy that. Um, love this world, loved certain parts of this this movie mm -hmm. that um, I thought were a, a good addition to this this world. This movie is not for people who don't like real violence towards children. I was going to say that at the top. When you said this is not a horror movie, I was say upset, except to maybe of to parents. <laughs> yeah, they're... Okay, so here's, here's what I was thinking about a lot during this movie. 
We started this podcast Mm -hmm. many moons ago with a Stephen King film. Do you remember what we started with our very first episode? Pet Cemetery. Yes. And if you recall, that that poor child Mm -hmm. (laughs) is also killed for real. Yeah. And we were like, why? No, we don't like this. This isn't what we wanted to do. Right. Um, we did it anyway. But we did it anyway. And and I, you know, you're thinking about Stephen King. You, there are a lot of children, ba- it's child-based horror, a lot of it. I mean, from Pet Cemetery and Firestarter all the way to The Friggin' Shining and It. You know, it's like you don't get more sure. child childhood-based than that. But what a, I, I thought that this movie in particular used children in in a way that was so extreme like of course i we we like the idea of like creepy kids you know yep. you like you like that idea of like a, a, a creepy kid or supernatural things happening but you know he in this in this story you not are you not only are Having like the true knot or whatever, the famous true knot, um, praying, not the false knot, praying Those on suckers. like the scream, <laughs> the screams of children, but then mm-hmm. to have this like child savior, shining kid too, mm-hmm. a- as the the antidote, it felt it felt like a reach. It felt very uh, like you're almost. It's almost too much, Stephen. I wish you. Know, there was some things that were too much, Stephen. Yeah. In this. And we are, you know, we're very critical of our <clears throat> Mr. King over here. We don't just, you know, we 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 tend to put him through those paces. Sure, there. you only roast the ones you love, you know. Yeah. And th- I think this is a key point because, well, I think to do s- some work for it, he's. I think it's like the kids are always sources of power right so like they also so when they die it's also more i think he understands the stakes of it and this kind of just was that double dose it's like on both ends yeah, yeah. The, the kid is the vic- the kids are the victims the kids are also the saviors mm-hmm. and you know there's i mean and there obviously there's stuff like pet cemetery where they're also the villains like he will kind of play it all but it does seem to be centered around the idea of like magic is strongest in kids which i feel like is very resonant with all horror you know that like witches and that's mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. and gretel all that kind of thing it's like the, the kids have it all right they have the imagination they have the access to power they're not mm-hmm. stifled the by pure. the pure yeah There's all that yeah certainly like the virginity of children and all that yeah this had like this. a his dark materials kind of vibe of like we're gonna steal this thing from kids yeah I, and that was the part that i almost the almost like tech aspect of it was like the hardest oh the canisters oh the canisters of steam um yeah i i uh that was tough for me but i i did like that i i think it's something that in a book would be so much easier to take than it is to watch yes and it is almost the it's almost the case in point for altering screenplays from their source material right is that like yeah there's a reason why it's actually hard to see it's much easier to read your way through even if you kind of cringe or you close your eyes you can put the book down and take a break you have all those things at your Mm -hmm. fingertips with a movie you have to watch it Mm -hmm. even if you fast forward through it you have to watch it Mm -hmm. and that is pretty wild but Mm -hmm. i there was part of it that i kind of respected where i'm like i am sure this is in the book and it's probably worse. Like starting with, was it Virginia who's abducted or Violet in the, in the opening? So oh, like the yeah. same time that Danny's at the Overlook, I think is the implication. Mm-hmm. There is Violet being abducted in Florida. Ironically, where Dick Halloran is, right? That's where he is. <laughs> nice. Where he is uh, summering. Right, he he's in Florida. It would have been kind of like that. Would have been a fun loop to close. I wonder if that gets addressed in the book. This okay. geographic proximities. I don't know. But anyway, um, I wonder if Stephen King liked this adaptation or had a hand in it or anything else. I didn't get a chance to read anything about that. I think that he did. I think 
he worked closely with the the screenwriter director the guy from haunting of bly house or whatever right um but i don't know if he liked the end result i'm not sure listeners if you know let us know I guess um, it's always a, a bigger question of like, yeah, was, I I tried. I gave him some notes and yeah, helped him out with the drafts, but pretty sure he like famously hates all of his adaptations. Yeah, so. but yeah, I actually did. I had heard something on a different podcast than Love, the uh, films to be buried with. That oh I, yeah, that I uh, love so much that um, during the the filming of the that when they kill that the baseball kid mm-hmm. um when the true knot kills him so that actor jacob tremblay he's from the room oh um yeah he's he's so good he's he's great and everything um just like a really good actor he's and from the room yeah that kid from the room was the baseball kid that's crazy yeah well, good for him yeah and um he Wait. what like the cult classic movie, The Room. No, no, The Room with, uh, with Brie Larson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Room. 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 It's called Room, not The Room. Sorry. Whoa, I never even thought about there being two movies with that name that I think yeah. about so distinctly differently. Yeah. <laughs> um. He. Yeah. He'd be so old now. Um. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but while while they were filming it, he was screaming so much and so intensely that the actors were like well like felt very uncomfortable so they stopped they were like are you okay and jacob was like was that not good <laughs> like just like Whoa. like he's so i mean just if you think about room how fucked up that movie was like That's he was true. so so little in that movie so and he is acting so for him, if you haven't seen uh dr sleep you can you can guess that scene is hard to watch. That That is a very painful scene. I yes. didn't like it. Um, a little too far. But a little too far in both directions because they return to this, the scene of this particular heinous crime mm-hmm. and dig him up. And that's also challenging. Mm-hmm. More so. Yeah. Uh, what I thought, uh, what I did like about this is there's a point at which Abra, yeah, mm. let that sit. <laughs> See if you can solve that puzzle. Um, what? The uh, well, it's that's that's deep. And it, I yeah, without all those letters there, it's like who could red rum? All right, uh, but in the movie Doctor Sleep, Abra is astral projecting into the back of Danny's car while he's driving there with his buddy Bobby, Billy, Billy, and Billy Bobby. Um, and he and I I love this moment, like because at what point he's recognizing the sort of gravity of it as he is like, oh, yeah, you're kind of telling that you're telling the truth. I see sort of like what's going on here. He starts to sense it, too. And they have this exchange. I need to just show your parents what's happening. No. Yeah. No. They almost think I'm normal. If I tell them, they'll Rose will go through them to get to you. You know that, don't you? She'll cut them down without a second thought. And she's coming, Abra. They need to know. (sighs) Shout out to this was my favorite parenting moment of the movie. Mm. So I figured I'd throw it in here for two reasons. This is a non-parent or guardian adult in this child's life. And he is advocating talking to her parents (laughs) and explaining this uh, otherwise secret bond that he has with their daughter and um so a plus to that and not being a sneaky person as we have talked about many times on the show before but also i think giving abra a sense of the gravity of the situation and how important safety is even above her own social concerns what's almost like a coming out because like she her parents sort of know that she's magical Mm -hmm. but they don't talk about it and he says, well, you kind of have to say something here. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to die. And I know you love your parents and we know they love you. So let's not let that happen. And yeah. I thought that was just like a good direct response to um, a very grave situation yeah. in, in a couple of ways. So I wanted to shout that out. Mm, R.I.P. Abra's dad, though, didn't really matter. Oh, buddy. Uh, fun fact, in the book, do you remember when the mom 
Abra's mom is like, I'm going to go visit Momo. She's on her deathbed. Yeah, like her mom. Mo- like- yeah, Momo, Conchetta, this woman Conchetta, is at Ewan McGregor, or sorry, Danny's <gasps> thi- uh, the hospice. hospice they figure out that she and Jack Torrance had a kid together. Anyway, Abra is actually Danny's niece. Whoa. Yeah. So that's all worked out in the book. Interesting. You know, okay. I'm kind of glad they didn't like try to get that in the movie. Yeah. yeah that's her... what we're just like. It'd be too. You might in the book be like, oh, that's cool. But in a movie in such a short amount of time, it'd be like, all right, that's a little, yeah. a little much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that that was cool. Like, I just thought, yeah, I thought this this Danny was was really good. I thought that um, Ewan McGregor like really sold it, like his earnestness. I really believed he has that like childlike thing. Like he's always, yeah. I think that he kind of has that believability as a, as a kid trapped kind of in childhood. Yeah. And, and, but his transition in it is great too. This transformation from like alcoholism out of it. Mm-hmm. He cleans up really well, obviously, but is, I like also that at one point he's recognized as being handsome. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Hey, it rose the hat is like, where you been handsome. And it's just one of those like, yeah, he's a babe. Yeah. <laughs> he just like, uh, stop drinking for a few years. You know? Yeah. Um, but that whole period where he's, you know, the sort of dark times where he abandons that woman or baby mm-hmm. and that stuff. And it's like... You've always got train spotting Owen, you know? He's yeah, always he's in d- there. Yeah, he's in there somewhere. So uh, that was... Uh, apparently yeah. a Scottish accent, not though. I don't think he does that anymore. No. It was just weird. Um, yeah. And and I, I liked him. I liked Abra. I, liked, I liked her, like, fearl- fearlessness with getting the, to the people. Like, she was just really um eager mm-hmm. to defeat the bad guys yeah i didn't there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff that i didn't like about this movie there's a lot of stuff that i had problems with <laughs> uh but i thought that like they work together really well and like if if you had to make this sequel yeah i there are parts of it that really worked well. Totally. Yeah. I like their relationship that it was, it was a little bit more of that like classic, like the trope that in Barton Fink, he has to write about like the a rest, wrestling picture, like the mm-hmm. big wrestler and the child I, where like, it's not father, daughter. It is not in any way sexualized. It is very, it is just like, you need to protect this kid. But what I liked about it, what it felt very modern and I would love it, if any queer listeners or uh, writers, I, I didn't check to see it. This like kind of just occurred to me, but like talking about that, <clears throat> that moment is maybe like a little bit of a coming out story. Not that it's really Stephen King's story to tell, but there is something else about this generation gap between them that I would love to know if anyone in the queer community has identified in the same way. If, if this bit about like her fearlessness and his, tremendous fear because of Mm -hmm. everything that he went all the trauma that he went through Mm -hmm. in order to be here now and then her ability to just not only like to also connect with her parents with it like Mm -hmm. as you said it's like her parents basically know she's magic and are like that's fine like okay Mm -hmm. we'll deal with it not no one's afraid of him afraid of her really i think they were i mean nervous that maybe it was unsafe but at no point you get the sense the parents are like we need to fix this, mm-hmm. right? Or we need to hide this. It's just like, we're just kind of, kind of, it's a little more don't ask, don't tell. But that, right. In, and so that same thing, it's like her fearlessness with her power was also like, it does also feel like a generational shift that's happened too. Where it's like, I can, I'm going to talk about my, you know, pronouns and gender identity now. Mm-hmm. And I'm 11 years old. Let's right. do this. Right. Where like a generation, two generations before it, could have taken their entire lives and never had that conversation. Right. And that I thought was, I mean, whether it's intentional or not is a, is a pretty cool, like uh, it tracks as a modern generation divide between these characters where I think, especially for Stephen King, that's very difficult for him. He loves fifties mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. And technology. And it's very weird. They are kind of oil and watery when he tries to combine these. Right. Things. You know, you have a lot of uh, besides the name, Abra, uh, you have lines like, snake bite Andy, that's who you are. 
and describing each of the like kinds of magic. It's like, ah, you're a pusher and Abra is a looker and that they take steam is mm-hmm. the most like Stephen King shit yeah. possible. As if any like group of kids besides like the Sandlot are like looking around each other being like, hey, yeah, it's the kid, right. you know? Like right, they right. just all have like plucky nicknames and shit. But very cool that he did manage to make possibly even despite his own best efforts something that is accurately modern in their relationship yeah abra is bold she's very bold Mm -hmm. i love that and i love how she just kind of follows her instincts and at one point she even skips school which (laughs) which is funny because like you don't I don't think about that much with like modern kids Yeah, and high school, of course, you know, you have, if you have a car, but like kids skipping school of their own will, like, did you ever skip school in grade school? Not to get on a bus and go to some <laughs> town in a different part of the state. And no. then, and then when she gets on the bus and she finds him at like Miniland or yeah. whatever, uh, it's not called Miniland. That's what. It's called in Lego Land. Something called anyway. It's like Mini World, which I thought was so weird because they had that at Lego Land. So Lego adjacent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But anyway, um, did you ever skip school? No, not. I mean, not until high school. What did you do then? Well, I I had like a free period first thing, Mm. Um, so I would. They wouldn't really take attendance, so like I would. I would leave and come back okay but never like for the whole day where your parents thought you were at school but you were not at school no no okay i didn't i never did that either my sister did (gasps) in middle school (gasps) at this age and what did she do it was probably to like save a dog or something right no she and one of the bad kids (gasps) went to i think they were gonna go to downtown springfield and they like got on a bus but like then they just like got on a bus it's weird like that it is very similar but it's just to go to like the city you know <laughs> meaning like the town over and i think they got there and like kind of just got back on a bus and turned around or they might even gotten to the bus station wow in our town and turned around and came back and maybe even turned themselves in or just like hung around because they like didn't know what to do with themselves and they got freaked out and oh it's so scary but they got caught totally caught and my mom like fully threatened my sister so and i it was where it was just like she was flipping out and kind of rightfully so because you'd freak and that's what i was i was thinking about watching this scene where you have this um was she 11 13 something like that somewhere in that middle school zone yeah she gets on a bus and gets off a bus and she's God knows how many miles away, but it's a coach bus. So we're talking at least 40 miles, I'm going to say. Right, right. Not close by if you can't, if you got into a jam, right? If you missed the last bus, there's no walking home. No. And kids at that age, I'll tell you what I have done. I've misread transit schedules before. Right. And gotten stuck <laughs> weird places. That happened plenty. And when I was way older, and oh, people yeah. knew where I was. And that still sucked. But it did get me yeah. thinking about... Skipping school because our kids, you know, having woo in public school now. Yeah. He's subject to these rules and regulations. And uh, it turns out truancy, as it is legally known, is, in fact, against the law. Yes. And it's state by state now. So these are all state laws. So it's possible that, you know, in your state it isn't, I guess. But basically, especially after the age of six... Once you're starting first grade, that's when like the law kicks in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of these are uh, what you call a civil infraction. So, oh, OK, it's, not, the it's conse- not a criminal charge. It's not criminal. So it is. But like you can be held very accountable. In theory, you can be thrown places. You can be thrown into jail and you could face criminal charges if you help or encourage your child to to skip school mm-hmm. right so like if you were like no you have to work to pay rent, right and you're going to skip school to do it or you're not doing everything in your power to get them to school because it's really right yeah. and well those are those are kind of other things you can i it was cool to see kind of the list of besides the fact that in california three unexcused tardies is because you could be considered truant which could result in a fine 
but I think realistically, it's you know, it's uh, yeah, three absences exceeding thirty minutes, three unexcused tardies, or three unexcused absences would make you truant, and it could be a combination of those three. Um, wow! And chronically truant in California is a student who misses school or is tardy on five or more occasions. I would mm. be truant as hell in high school. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty wild. One of the, my favorite solutions, like that a, a court can impose upon you for this is, you know, because they do make the point of saying, this is not about putting people in jail. It is about making sure kids go to school. That's the right. idea of the, you know, the punishments. Um, my favorite one, their fines raising from 250 to two grand. Um, you could, in theory, go to jail. But the best one was, you may just have to go to school with your kid. Ah! That's a, that's that a script. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to give a shout out because I also found a website, kidslegal.org, which happens to be from the state of Maine. Yes. See, it's all connected. I And it's pretty cool. It's a 501c3 and they so they don't charge any kids or parents for their services. And it's all specifically targeted around um, underserved youth in Maine. And... Uh, they have a, a bunch of cool, it's like super informational. They were the ones that had the the solution of attending school with your child. And really just, you know, hammering home that it's all about dropout prevention. You got to, you're just trying to keep your kid in school, which which makes sense. And I have to imagine it's on the schools and school districts to enforce this stuff. So you're only going to hear from them if, mm-hmm. if it's a problem. But the kids make me nervous. The kids asked me if there's jail for kids for kids the other day so i had to explain juvenile detention to oh them oh boy yeah <laughs> how'd that go uh, it was it was one of those things where like you think that you have a handle on what you're about to say and then you you realize just how difficult it is to explain mm-hmm. but i also didn't know what the age like what's what's the minimum age to send a kid to jail like it has to be 12 Gosh. or something right like you can't send like a ten-year-old to juvie. I I know I I tried to Try. do a quick Google search here, but uh, wow. Although most this is from sportsmansbailbonds.com, they say every state has different laws concerning how old someone must be before they are considered mature enough to be put in jail. Uh, however, see, maturity is not always a positive thing, kids and parents. All right? <laughs> however, most states won't arrest anyone under the age of eight years old. <gasps> to the state, anyone younger than this age is too young to know the difference between right and wrong. Also, anyone between the ages of 10 and 12 won't be sent to jail except for rare cases involving major offenses such as murder, rape, or the use of a gun to harm a person or animal. Oh, okay. After wow. 12, it all goes downhill everything yep. everything's on the table gosh that is that is terrifying t- so terrifying scarier than anything in this movie um <laughs> well almost yeah. almost what about that hat <laughs> oh god okay so all right listeners listeners um i have a question of the week oh how can you ask me a question like that how can you ask me i'm your brother and you ask me that <laughs> Okay, this movie had me thinking about a question that I want to hear answers from listeners on and answers from you, Josh, because Rose the Hat, Mm -hmm. as she is called, played by the lovely Rebecca Ferguson, who was in Doom. She's the mom in Doom. Mom in Doom. She's cool. Mama Doom. She's awesome. She's even awesome in this for what it, I mean. I didn't like her, her character, but I don't, I don't like any of the true not really. But um, she's great. And she plays this kind of, you know, character really well. But as her name connotes, she wears a hat. She wears, she wears the hat. The hat. She wears a, a, a top hat throughout the entire film. And then just like athleisure wear, really. Um, yep. Not not anything like a matching tails or any sort of formal wear. Or ancient clothes. Or, yeah, or, or like, timeless clothes. It wasn't even like a steampunk situation. I believe that hat is a pork pie hat. 
That's a pork pie hat. I'm yeah, because it sure. wasn't. You're right. It wasn't quite as tall as a top hat. No, pork it's pie. more of like the Heisenberg hat. If you're not going to oh watch my God. this, this is the Breaking Bad hat. Oh my god! Very similarly. Yeah. Really took me out of it. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the Heisenberg thing. Um. Yeah. Once. Okay. This is not. That's another podcast. Um. So every time Rose the hat was on screen, I found myself going com- just c- coming completely out of the movie and focusing on that mm-hmm. and i want to know have you ever watched a movie and one thing has ruined it for you like tell us what that what that thing is what that movie is cuz here's here's a few that came to mind as i as oh i like this as i was uh as what as watching was the hat um, you may know that we are haters on this podcast <laughs> i still str- i was thinking of many movies that i don't like that other people love um no no like but- where i want to say like oh paul dano like as was my answer for anything but i uh but most there, i couldn't come up with something like this and i really love it i yeah, love that yeah. you well it's- that this took you out of it it's such a good call and i know there are those movies i was struggling to come up with one i'd love to hear more i think that most people have the the hate within them josh we just talk about it more than i think a lot of other movie podcasts we're not afraid to voice our that's right our deep discomfort and dislike of things they're here so, to spread joy we are here to <laughs> destroy. <snuff it> out. <laughs> destroy no but uh I didn't, I didn't, it didn't ruin the movie for me. I already, I didn't need a Shining sequel. I didn't really want a Shining sequel, but if you had to, like I said, if you had to make one, I'm here for a few things in this. Like Uh I'm, I'm here for some of the concepts and it, but, um, yeah, like I said, true not definitely the hat was not helping them. So the hat, Uh we'll call it the hat, my hat of other movies. Okay. Most recently I watched house of Gucci on a plane. The mm-hmm. Italian accents. Mamma mia. Mamma mia. <laughs> um, that really took me out of it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, not cool that they did that. It was a choice. And that's what we're talking about here. It's like, has has a choice that someone made, uh, the filmmakers, be it what, ha- what they, the wardrobe or the editing, I'll get to that, or... You know, one one piece of it doesn't have to be. It can be anything. Sure, the hat can be anything. Um, An angle it's shot at, and it takes you out. It takes you out. Okay, here's a couple other ones besides House uh-huh. of Gucci, Jurassic World. Oh, Bryce Dallas Howard running around the entire movie in high heels, and I'm not the only one who who picks on this. Yeah. Okay, like many people had this feeling afterwards of like, what on earth? Why would you do this? You know, like the entire movie she's running and she is always running in high heels. It's insane. If you've ever been to any wedding or formal event in your life, there will be like a basket of sandals next to any piece of grass to take off high heels and put those on instead because you'll just sink into the ground. Yeah. Ridiculous. Another thing that came to mind immediately, and this is I'm talking about a choice. Mm hmm. When we saw the first Hobbit movie in high frame rate. Ooh. And that is something that Peter Jackson is passionately a proponent of. It was the first movie that I'd ever seen mm-hmm. in that disgusting <laughs> That's right. frame rate. The high frame rate. We even left the theater to see a non- high frame rate version and it's still i could not it was then you couldn't shake it it, yeah i could not shake it the hat had happened (laughs) um another another one i thought of recently that that we did on the podcast insidious where they they have that gigantic house in la and she's a like she she does music lessons oh right yeah yeah, like she she, (laughs) she's a music teacher yes and he does who fucking knows and they have this giant house and it just Every time you're seeing yeah. the multiple floors of this colonial house and you're like, what? Like just the... be in Nebraska. Yeah. Just or have a... a different job. Yes. just Or just have a casual throwaway thing like you're on Bosch and you're like, ah, the movie rights, sold the movie rights in my life. I made some money. Right place, right time. You guys, <laughs> like, you guys, it all comes 
back to Bosch with Josh. It's all coming Bosch to me. <laughs> He's going to have a Bosch podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. A Bosch cast. Bosch cast. Bosch cast with Josh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Josh is Bosch cast. Bosch. Bosch cost with Josh. That So the hat, the, the house, the hat in Insidious was the house. And then this one, it, it didn't ru- ruin the movie, but it's a, it's a very perfect example of a hat in a scene. And I think a lot of listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about. And Little Women, when Joe and Lori finally kiss, there is a trail of spit in between their mouths as they come apart. It is <laughs> a, a line of spit that... It, anybody who likes that movie knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it takes you out Which of the scene. Which version are we talking about? Oh, my God, Josh. Jesus Christ. I assume it's the one you watch like every... It's Winona Ryder and Christian Bale. It there is not... This is This is a decades-long spit trail, okay? This is not a recent thing. This is something that anybody... Great. It wasn't just like a Greta yeah. Gerwig uh No, it's not, it's not the Catherine Hepburn version. It's, okay. it's the one true... Well, no, no. I, I really did like the Greta Gerwig one, but the the one true. So it takes you out of the scene. Yes. She may as well be wearing a pork pie hat. Agreed. Actually, I think she does in that movie. But anyway, so you you couldn't think of you can't I think did, of any. I think I thought of, I think I thought of one. And I just know there are more. There are more and better versions of this. So I'm excited to hear other people's. And if I, I think of more, I will share them because I think this is great. And I love calling it a hat. One. This came up, we were recently talking about apparently how borderline unwatchable the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are now. I mean, but I will say even on first viewing of the original one, which I loved, like I was hungry for it. I was ready Mm. as a comic book fan. I needed it. Mm. It seemed real. Green Goblin's mask in that is a hat because it looks like Power Rangers. And and the Spider-Man suit in that looks real like all Mm -hmm. the choices they made with that where maybe questioning how did this kid make this in his bedroom is like it looked dope Mm -hmm. you're like okay that's what a superhero spandex costume would Mm -hmm. look like irl but the green goblin helmet pointless absurd looking Mm -hmm. laughable like Mm -hmm. pure comedy and that's very sad to me because otherwise i think that that first one in my head is fun and he's saying it this way because he knows I I watched uh, yes. I watched some of each of those Spider-Man movies when I was on uh, at, at a hotel for work on a travel job. And the first Spider-Man movie I really enjoyed as well at the yeah. time. And now we we are so spoiled. We have all these better things. But going back and watching it, it's all shit. All of it's shit. It's so bad. I always thought that that first one with Tobey Maguire was great. It turns out <laughs> all, of, all of them, it, it, like James Franco in that movie. Oh, different eh. podcast, different podcast. But it was just, it was just funny how, how much we all loved it because we didn't, oh, yeah. it was like the first of its kind. And like those, the graph, like graphics, yeah. the, 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 Animation. the motion graphics mm-hmm. of him going through the city was like, so cool. I remember being like, oh, it feels like we're flying with yeah, him. You know? Truly. Tobey Maguire seemed like inspired casting. It was all great. Even especially Willem Dafoe. Come on now. That's super fun. But that is also insane. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that's a hat for me. Literally. Yeah. So we want to hear about your hats. Uh, we will post this on the Instagram. Yes. And would love to know what other people felt about this movie, um, what you liked and didn't like. I think a lot of people liked this movie. Um, yeah. So I was trying to approach it from that perspective of like not being such a hater. Yeah. 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Other internet scores lower. But I mean, I think, and also people like this director. Yeah. yeah Us yeah. not chiefly among them, but like, I, I think he has a TV style. I don't know if it's just super digital or what it is that I think was a bit of a disservice to this movie, but I, I thought it, I also enjoyed, I enjoyed mm-hmm. my time mm-hmm. spent back in this world. Mm-hmm. Do I wish Red Rum was just written legibly this time? I do, but you know, this is, uh, and yeah, I may Such be, a stickler. Yeah. Um, yeah, all this stuff back in the overlook, I was like, I can pass on this. Um, 
but yet I liked I liked that scene with um Danny and Jack at the bar. I really liked that a lot. Did surprise surprisingly liked that. Yeah. Yeah. That um, worked well. You gotta address this cycle of uh trauma that's mm-hmm. happening in his family. Yeah. But again, with the multiple versions of this story in the book, Jack is not flawed from the beginning he's not a psychopath from the beginning he is a normal everyday guy and he has a descent and then at the end he tries to save his family like he's not Mm -hmm. it's a completely different jack so it kind of i thought that that scene was great because it kind of worked within both worlds which is really that's a hard needle to thread agreed yeah well josh before we rate this movie because we almost did (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got a kids are creepy, all right. Oh. Oh, we promised you drops. We got drops. We forgot about that one. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are creepy, all right. Um. So. I've been very excited to talk about this one Um, because our kids haven't done anything so creepy in a while. No, I'm pretty uncreepy. Yeah. Like the days of Ananiwa are gone, I think. Um, Only time will tell. Yes. But the other day. Okay. So this was, uh, I had gone on a long work trip, the longest I'd ever been away from you or the kids. Mm -hmm. It was wild. um, 16 days and I, the, it was the night that I got back. It was surreal because going away for that long, um, we, we tried to FaceTime, but we, you know, a lot of times it's I'd hard. be working. It's just tough. And like you said, it almost like takes them out of it. And if you can kind of just like keep your head down and just get through the time away it's almost better for everybody yeah they get in a better groove that was that was the first time for us where all of a sudden it's like oh this is actually harder because they they're like ostriches you know mm-hmm. they're just kind of heads in the sand they'll forget a little bit until they don't but at mm-hmm. that point then you try to call or you send a video message or mm-hmm. whatever then you talk that night but it's like when you're in a groove and then all of a sudden it's disrupted by you know reminders of the right. fact that you're alone that's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since everybody's spiraling. Yeah. Me most of all. So I really hadn't FaceTimed that much. And yeah. we hadn't talked very much either. So that night when I got back, it was really cool because I was kind of seeing the kids through new eyes. Like it was. Yes. And like also was out of the habit of talking to them. So you just get into a cadence with your kids. Mm. And like it's not always good. I feel like you it's not your authentic self, right? Or you're admonishing them a lot or whatever. So I felt like I was really interacting with them in this very pure way. Mm. Um, and that, that faded by the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I was back oh, to- Oh, that's good. You get one. Yeah. One day. Yeah. But it was cool because it kind of also sh- was so apparent to me how much Wu has grown up. He's just such a kid now. Anyway- so I was doing bath time uh, since you had done it for all the days. 16 days. <laughs> and um, Seven days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, who needs a bath? Yeah. Come on. Um, and I can't remember if there was music playing, but it was loud in the bathroom. Boo was still in the bath. He was splashing around and Woo had just gotten out. I was drying him off and you were washing dishes and... All this is happening, and I hear in the hallway, I hear, hi, like that, like a, a woman's voice, like, hi, and I just turned around because without thinking, like, I thought, you're just responding yeah, to someone saying your hi. sister was here and yeah, neighbor had yeah, showed you're up just, at the door or something. Just responding to saying hi before you realized there, right. you must have just heard something because there's nothing, no one's in the house. And... um so in the moment of tur- in that split second of just turning my head towards the hallway, realizing I must have just heard something and turning back, Wu right in front of me says, who said that? 
and is also listening. Right. And I was like, oh, and I could not. It happened so fast that I could not disguise. And maybe because I had just been out of the habit of like if I had been more in the rhythm and routine of parenting where you could be like, I don't know what that was, you know, like just kind of. It must have been somebody outside. I don't know. Yeah. Instead of feeding into this like what has now become a huge thing. Yes. Both children. Not just Wu. Um, because Wu immediately was like, who said that? And and I was like, I don't know. Like, I I heard that too. That's so funny. And and then he was like, I'll go see if Donna's here, you know? And I was like, yeah, go see, fully knowing that she wasn't there. Um, but it was like clear as a bell. Still, who knows? Maybe I heard something. But the weird... It was so chilling because yeah. he heard whatever I heard. He heard it too. And then I was like, I was like, did you say that? He was like, no, I didn't. Like, he got very like, I didn't say it. Right. And I was like, if he, I was like, if you said it, like, just tell me. And he was like, I didn't, mom. And I was like, okay, like, that's funny. We must have just heard something. But we both were creeped. And we, we started laughing, actually, the first before he even went to go see if it was Donna. We we started laughing so like hysterically, hysterically. <laughs> yes, it was it was like a it was so <laughs> creepy. And then and now, you know, we've told the story a few times. So um, but even so, he'll joke about it. He'll go, hi. And then he'll say, who said that, mom? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't Man. know. And this was right on the heels of our very dear friend, Megan, going to see a medium. She had just the day before, I think, told me the whole story of her experience with a medium. So I was definitely like in that headspace right. of like. The thin veil. Between yes, yes. Yes. But ooh, it was creepy. And yeah, I mean. And the kids have not stopped talking about it. I think that's important for this segment. The kids are creepy. All right. Is mm-hmm. that. They have both brought it up separately. The voice, the disembodied voice you all heard in the hall. <laughs> Who said that, Mom? Who said it? Mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> well, now it's become. I I tried to be stay very light with it. I wasn't like. I've, we, it's it's been a joke. It's been a funny story. It's sure. not like. Oh, nobody's a, losing sleep over it. Yeah. Oh, there's Thank a ghost God. in our house. You know. Not yet. So, but. Uh, it has re-inspired me to go to the library and find out just who died in this house. Mm. Because it's a hundred-year-old house. I mean, plenty of people died here. Sure. So. At least plenty of people have come over and said hi. <laughs> Maybe they're trapped here, too. Mm. Shall we rate this movie? Ah. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. How many, I don't know, man. it's so hard not to pick the hat, so hard not to pick the hats, it's an overwhelming object, it's, I, but um, uh, how many um, psychic cats do you give the movie <laughs> Dr. Sleep 2019 out of nine psychic cats. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it six out of nine, Josh. Yeah, my wife. <laughs> because, um, because, um, I, I'm not going to say it was a terrible movie. That's at at no point when I was watching it when I was like, oh, this is unwatchable or whatever. You know, like I think it's a fine mo- it's fine. Yes. I and like I said, did not ask for it, did not want a shining sequel, didn't need to go back to the overlook. Mm-hmm. But they did, and they did it all, you know, it fine. all fit together. It all, you know, it's not exactly my my cup of tea, my 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 canister of steam, but it's, you know, um, it, and he, even as much as I didn't like the the killing of Jacob Tremblay, uh, I get why they made it so terrible. It was it wasn't like it was being treated lightly. Mm-hmm. It was 
it didn't feel gratuitous. I didn't enjoy watching it, but I I get why it it, it basically spurned the whole plot, right? So like all of Abra's story comes from her like feeling that yep. trauma. So um and uh I don't need I don't need a I don't need astral projection, really. No. Um I, but some of it was really cool. Yeah. Some of it was really cool. And um so I can't I can't fault it for that. And there was uh yeah, and just um Ewan as Danny was great. So how many uh psychic cats do you give this movie, Josh? I also give it six out of nine. Ah, uh, it's better than bad, it's good. And I yeah, as much as uh, for all the hat, hats plus athleisure wear um and all the nicknames and Stephen King jargon and all of that I do think yeah overall it was a goodish movie and I think it is fine to watch I'm glad I watched it at home I think a a big bold risk to take in this movie was so many calls back to this Stanley Kubrick shining you're taking one of the most visually stunning films ever made and like reincorporate like you know that part was so reworking nuts. shots yeah like, so nuts yeah you're, you're kind of you're going back to the locations you're doing the carpet pattern and the whole thing and then showing us places like parts of the that we haven't seen before so it was like I, I thought that was like it's just a big risk I think it kind of takes I don't know if, I'm not sure if it's additive or if it makes you more aware of what the movie isn't. You'll ne- I'll never know because this mm-hmm. is the one I saw. But like I thought it was, yeah, as far as a continuation of that story goes, and Stephen King is a big fan of continuing his stories. He likes the serial He feels himself story. quite a bit. That is a fact. But I think as if someone who came to Stephen King as an adult, like I read like one book as a kid, I wasn't we've talked about it before in the show, but I'm not one of the kids who read the stand at age 10. I read them as I believe they were developmentally appropriate to read. And in my twenties, and but like they, they reminded me so much of like of comics of like the Sandman and like those big epic stories that I like. And so I understand the desire for a creator to go back to their own universe and mine it some more or see like, well, what else? What if there's another one? What would happen if this person got older? How would that feel? So anyway, yeah, pretty interesting. Mm. Unnecessary. Mm. Yeah. I agree. Okay. But the kids, the kids, we're talking about Abra. We're talking about... Abra. <laughs> we're talking about baseball kid we're talking about violet we're talking about young danny yeah um how many how this is so dark but i'm gonna do it how many bags of cheetos are you giving the kids in (laughs) how many bags of cheetos are you giving the kids out of five I give them three out of five. Hmm. You didn't like uh, Abra? No, she was fine. It was good. I didn't. I just wasn't like. I she plays it. I I know we talk about this as like based on what they were given, and how she was fearless, and that that is a strength. It is also like it's harder to connect. It is less. Um, I don't know. Yeah, a little is this. Yeah, it's it's harder to be like, oh my gosh, like you, you couldn't have put any other actor in their place. You know, I think they sort mm-hmm. of. Um, there's a lot of talk as a basketball fan right now about who's in the MVP race. It's often looked at as like if you put an average player at that position or even any other player on that team, would they be as good as they are now? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then that's kind of your your MVP, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so. Uh, I think that other actors could have played Abra or the baseball kid or Violet or young Danny 
and we would have not noticed much difference. Hmm. So I am going to just, but I think, but I did like her in it and she was additive and not subtractive. Better than bad. She was good. She was three bags of Cheetos. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to say three and a half bags. I have to give it more than that because I will tell you why. The, the one scene, there's one scene that I'm basing this on for Abra. I like that. Which is when Danny Astral projects into her when she's being kidnapped by the 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 dude man from mm-hmm. the True Knot. Um, I thought that she, like her acting there, was really good. Great, yeah, I like that. I yep. thought that yep. she like she nailed that from going from you know her kid self to like having being Danny, being Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, was a good scene. That was good. Good call. And just. And just my my boy Jacob. I mean, here's half a bag of Cheetos, kid. Scram. (laughs) And I had some Cheetos at Legoland uh, for the first time in a long time. Mm. And much like Dr. Sleep, better than I thought it would be. (laughs) Not, not, I don't need to eat them again anytime soon, but better than I thought they would be. Mm. I love them. Oh, boy. Do you remember that one line that Abra had? No. In that part where she goes, don't be a creep. Get in touch. We are reachable on email at mummyxdeddy at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeddy. We're on Instagram at mummyxdeddypod. You can visit us on the internet for show notes and more at mummyxdeddy.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And please, tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding would look so cute in a pork pie hat. Bye! I guess I'm scared. There's nothing. We don't end, Charlie. I know that for certain. I don't know much else, but... I know that we don't end. Blueberries. <laughs>